Today on City Cash Chicago, we're about to get blasted with really cold, dangerous temperatures, which only highlights the desperate need to safely house people who are homeless. Pilsen resident Andy Robledo is trying to help. He builds and distributes large orange ice fishing tents more suited to cold weather. Our producer Simone Alisea went out with Robledo to Humble Park, where volunteers were building these tents. It's Monday, December 19th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Can all the volunteers come over this way? We'll get everyone together. We're going to get uh, ready to build here in a minute. Um, so, yeah, we're in Humboldt Park. We're going to build some tents today. Um, Y'all, if some of you have been here before, we got a lot of new faces here as well. But this is how this is going to go down today. So we've notified all of the residents here, all the participants, uh, that we are going to be here. So some folks have already taken their tents down and removed them. Uh, so what we're going to do is break up into te about teams of six. We're not gonna be doing any cleanup today. So the extent of the cleanup will be, will help people drag their tents out, but please do not go through anyone's belongings. Don't go inside of any tents. Uh, we'll be building tents either right next to where their tents are or where their tents previously were. And the city will come by uh, this week to clean up the, the excess debris. All right, break off over here. Let's all split up. All right, so let's get some people over that way. So how did you get into this? It started in my neighborhood. So it started, uh, someone broke the window on my blue truck and uh, all they took was my blanket and it broke my heart. And I said, you know what? Like I've been driving past this for the last year and conditions aren't improving and no one seems to be doing anything from our government to other nonprofits. So I said, you know what? I need to get out here and see how I can help. And um when I saw what it was like on the ground, like I knew I could do it better, so. So how did you end up, uh, these are ice fishing tents, correct? Yep, they're ice fishing tents, yeah. Uh, how, how, did, how was this the kind of conclusion you came to? Yeah, so last winter, we had some like really bad winter storms. Um, I ended up putting about 20 people in a hotel. We came back and all the camps were destroyed by the winter storms, just like the snow, the wind. When we brought everyone back from the hotels, I didn't want to bring them back to like a destroyed camp. So I did some research and I saw there was a pastor up in Minnesota um, creating shelter, uh, like crisis shelter for people experiencing street homelessness in Minnesota. And he used ice fishing tents. And I was like, that's pretty brilliant. So I ordered my first ice fishing tent. And now we can kind of, we can crank out between 15 to 20 in a day with the capacity we have in our truck. Not just in a day, but like what we've got. In a couple hours. Yeah. A couple like, hours, yeah. Usually cut two to three hours. So what are sort of the fundamental differences between being inside one of these tents versus your run-of-the-mill, you know, big five tent? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's night and day. So uh, most like run-of-the-mill three to five person tents or three to six person tents, you can't stand up in. Um, they have like vents on the side. Uh, the rain flies don't really work. They're not meant to live in outside. Neither are these ice fishing tents, um, but they, uh, they're not insulated. They don't hold heat, even if you do run a heater in it. And... Uh, the ice fishing tents are, they're tall, they're seven foot five. So, so you can stand up in it. It's like a room. Um, you know, you can have a, a bed in one area. You can have a little table in another area. People can walk around. That's like the biggest difference. Like you can walk around, you can move around. Um, they have windows. They're, uh, insulated, like 
so they hold heat, which is a big difference. So like, I mean, I've had reports of three to four people staying in a tent, like on really cold days and not having to run a heater because their body heat stayed warm. So you can notice it on a cold, windy day, if you're standing outside versus stepping into one of those tents, um, there's a major difference. In, in a, what kind of tent were you in before? A uh, little small one, say sweet, sweet green, right here, sweet gear. Yeah, a little small one. My name is Samuel Victory. How long uh, have you been uh, here in Humboldt Park? Uh, going on four months. One day I came home from work early and my wife was sleeping with another guy. So ever then, I, I, four months ago, I took off and never looked back. I've been here ever since. It's cold. Uh, at night it's cold in there, but we try to keep ourselves warm with blankets and little uh, fire or something we do. And just basically keep warm and keep um, get food and stuff yeah. from hunger and stuff. That's it. Just to survive to the next day and stuff. People. Uh, are living in tents is because they can't afford a housing or can't get a job. Well, <clears throat> they got buildings around here that are banded. Fix them up and get people places to live and stuff. Instead of knocking them down and making up a gym or a store and stuff, we don't need that. We need places for people, like families, to go home to, house and stuff. It's not an apartment. It's not what they deserve. They deserve being inside an apartment, but until our city and our state and our federal government can figure out how to handle this crisis, like this is the the best thing that we can offer right now with, uh, well, you know, we're tackling a $100 million issue just in the city alone with $100,000 or less. I think one thing we haven't touched on yet is the is the cost. Um, cost okay. How much does it cost to put one of these up? And what? So, yeah, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so it costs uh, between three hundred seventy-five and five hundred dollars, depending on the amenities that we put in. So, um, just the structure is about three hundred seventy-five dollars. Uh, again, that cost is variable depending on like uh, lumber costs that that you know kind of go up and down. Um, but if we had a heater, lighting, tarps, um, you know, we're at about five hundred. $500 per tent. So so significantly more expensive than uh, your average big five tent, but significantly less expensive perhaps than than an actual like indoor structure. Yeah, it's not a $50 tent, um, but it's also, you know, the average housing voucher is about $1,200 a month to get someone housing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always that debate, uh, particularly when it comes to um, like homelessness. And it, it always feels like an either or proposition. Uh, yeah, no, it's not an either or, and it's um, it's although while the city doesn't support tents, they don't support the work that we're doing. Um, they don't support people setting up tents. Like, they want people to come inside, but they have to offer real alternatives and real options for coming inside. Like a a communal shelter is not coming inside. It's not a it's not a feasible solution for this. You know, we need housing now. We need apartments now. When you say the city sort of doesn't support what you're doing, what do you what do you mean by that? Ah, uh, well, they have threatened to take them down completely. They've since backed off from uh, that. But um, city ordinance and city policy does not, um, they don't want people setting up tents on the streets. So that's it. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that there would ever be opposition. I've been doing this for a year now, and I never got opposition until I went to uh, some of the more affluent neighborhoods in the city. So um, 
you know, like if I see a tent that's beat down, I see someone living on the street and freezing to death. I'm going to go build them a better tent if I can, you know, and I think the city should be there alongside me to help build them. You had mentioned that, like, you check in with folks ahead of time before you go to a site. What, what, how, what's that process like? Yeah, so um, typically, I mean, a lot of these camps we have relationships with already, but since we've been scaling to different parts of the city and different camps, um, we've been relying on mutual aid networks and other individuals that already have established relationships with, uh, with folks that we haven't made contact with. So for this particular camp, um, I've never had contact with anyone here. So we relied solely on the power of social media and getting the word out through mutual aid networks and having local residents reach out and come outreach. So all week long, we've had people coming every single day, uh, a morning crew, an evening crew to get a head count, get a head count, show people the tent, show people the reels of what the tents look like and um, just get a checklist of who wants to get a nice fishing tent. Do you mind if I get your name? Jordan. Hi, Jordan. It's nice to meet you. I'm Simone again. How long were you? So you were out here in a tent in Humboldt Park before, yeah? Um, I was at a different encampment. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where were you? Uh, Chicago, under a viaduct. Okay. Um, Chicago Avenue in Albany. Albany, yeah. Okay. How long were you out there? Going on two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's a really long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, compared to other people, it's almost nothing. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's people been out there a lot longer than me. Well, that means you spent a couple winters too in that, Definitely. in the tent. Yeah. Yes, yeah. This will be my third winter actually. Wow. So. Um, How did you hear about this? I was at a different encampment and uh, I got attacked. Um, luckily, I'm close friends with a, a counselor who works at Above and Beyond, okay. and uh, through an outreach team, told me about this and I uh, been in touch with them. If you don't mind me asking, what, how'd you end up outside? Yeah, that's more personal. Um, my, my family, um, a brother of mine passed away. We were two years apart in age, and uh, he was my best friend. You know, we were, you wouldn't say Jordan without saying Damien, you know. And when when he left, when he was gone, I, I kind of, I felt like I... I I I sh I obviously felt like I should have gone, you know. I felt I felt like neglecting myself was the only right thing to do. If I was hungry, if I was starving, I would continue to not eat, you know. I would can I would if it was freezing outside, go stand outside in a t-shirt, you know. I would just abuse myself because I thought in my mind that's what I thought, you know, should have happened. I was in that um, self-hate, self-neglectful state for a very long time. Uh, two years later, I'm I'm not, I'm out of that, and I'm just, uh, I'm just okay. I mean, that's that's fine with me, you know. I mean, if you drive around, all of us that are on waiting lists are trying to get housing, trying to get our credit, or you know, our documents. You know, I mean. That's the kind of the worst thing being out here is you don't have a backup plan if something if something happens to me, I really don't have nobody I can call, 
or I don't have a bank account, a savings account, you know? And it's not like I'm a lazy, drug-addicted bum or anything, or however you want to say it. I, just three years ago, I had I was making 2140 as a machinist, you know, at Rust-Oleum. It's just what happens is life. We were talking about some the the um, what communal housing, what communal shelters lack, uh, oh, why why they're a problem. Yeah, so communal shelters. I mean, you can ask anyone here that's been to a communal shelter. Um, so they're typically a big gymnasium style room. Um, and you're sleeping next to someone, you're not protected, you don't have the privacy of your own room. Um, there's crime, there's disease, you know, there are a lot of restrictions that just make it, you know, the the way they operate doesn't really meet people where they're at today on the streets. So, um, you know, we need more low barrier shelters that allow people to come as they are, um, that don't have the restrictions that some of these shelters have. We have 1,500 people out here experiencing street homelessness, so um, the the inventory just isn't there to meet the current needs. So yes, we want people to come inside as well, just like the, the city does, but there's really nowhere for them to come inside too. So, Is your goal to kind of like grow this endeavor? My goal is to never build a tent ever again. My goal is to go out of business as a nonprofit. My goal is to not come out here and see someone living in a beat down summer tent, freezing to death. So, um, and I won't, I won't stop building tents until that day arrives, but my goal is to hopefully find the day or, or reach the day when the city and the government takes action to get people into housing and we don't have to go build tents for folks. People look at you different, you know, because you're homeless. I'm the same thing as you. I bleed the same. Uh, I breathe the same air as you. We all do. We ain't no different. only thing that we're different is you got a place to go home at night, and we don't. We got a tent. We got, but we still here. We still got a family. Everybody look out for one another. You know, I work. I work in the mornings. And uh, but being out here and all this, so far it's been okay. But winter didn't hit yet, so the cold. But you know, I toughed it out. Now we got these beautiful tents. See what happens. I mean, do you do you think sort of your feeling might change when we're oh, yeah. when we're in January and it's minus ten degrees? Yeah, it, it would change a lot. And so, but it's only what three months out of a year. It ain't that bad. It'll go by quick, hopefully. Andy Robledo primarily funds building these ice fishing tents through donations. So if you're interested in volunteering or donating, there's a link in the show notes. That's also where we've got links to resources if you're experiencing houselessness or housing insecurity. The city of Chicago is opening extra warming centers this week. We've also got links in the show notes for those. Before I let you go, I want to wish a happy Hanukkah to all my Chicago friends who celebrate. Now, a little bit of news, y'all. 
I know we spent the whole episode talking about the frigid cold rolling in, but please, please, please check on your neighbors, especially folks with little kids or seniors. Check out weather warnings and please walk, drive or travel as safely as possible. Yellow Banana, a black-owned grocery store operated with numerous Save-A-Lot locations in the Midwest, will move into Inglewood's closed Whole Foods January 1st. It's still unclear which grocery store will go in there, but the co-owner says the site will have stocked shelves, fresh produce, a functioning hot bar, bakery, and coffee counter. Community members in Austin were told by developers the former Sears location at North and Harlem will soon become home to a $100 million medical facility, townhomes, apartments, and a new grocery store. And some good news to get you through. Help Shy Nation's Youth Council bring in the winter solstice this Wednesday as Native storytellers share what it means to be Native in Chicago. It's at First Nations Garden in Albany Park at 6 p.m. Dress warm, they'll have soup and fry bread for you. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'm going to be here tomorrow. I hope you'll join me. Peace. <clears throat> Mic check one two one two. Man, this is the first time I talked in hours. Whoa, 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 whoa.